Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming today. Great to see everyone here. I appreciate you taking your Sunday to to do what God asked us to do, which is to spend the day with Him. uh, try not to work too hard. Uh, I got to do a little bit of work. I got to make queso for the game, but I don't think that's considered work, is it? Uh, <clears throat> don't really have a lot invested in the Super Bowl this year, so you know, probably probably won't have to yell and scream a whole lot. Um, but uh, appreciate everybody coming today and 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 rubbing elbows with each other. That's what church is. It's the it's the church body um, connecting making relationships and in progressing and learning together. So thanks for making it today. Uh, yesterday morning, um, Rhett and I met up down there at the church ranch and, and uh, spent all morning gathering cows. Uh, actually, I took a little bit of alfalfa hay and spread it out on the ground, and they went in the krill, and I closed the gates. It's not real cowboy, but it was real icy, so that was kind of the, the best thing to do. And, and uh, got him in in all of about three seconds, got the gates shut, and, and we had to, had to sort those cows. We had a, a bunch of yearlings that we needed to sort off that we were leasing out for, for an event this weekend, and then we had some, some yearlings that we needed to sell, and then some bred cows in there that, that just needed to stay. So we were as we were separating those cows into three different groups, um, I got to thinking, you know, you're always trying, you know, I'm always trying to relate things to, to godliness and, and what he would want us to do. And, and uh, I got, got to thinking about separating and, and what that means. And so in my Bible study, I, I I started looking into to separation and separating and, and there's there's quite a bit that God has in you know in store or in mind when in, on that topic and the and the first thing that uh, that He talks about is um, in this world we need to separate separate ourselves from sin and separate ourselves from the things that are that are leading us away from Him. Um, and, and a lot of that is separating ourselves from people. And, and it says here in 2 Corinthians 7, 17, Therefore, come out from, a, or 6, 17, sorry. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. What he's saying is when, when we become God's children, we have to be different. We can't be the same. We can't... We can't God, God hates sin. He can't abide in it, and and he he wants us to be the same. That we can't just sit there and, and abide in sin, or in, in 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 those situations. He wants us to remove ourselves from that. Um, that doesn't mean we can't associate with sin, with with unbelievers. I was going to almost say sinners, but we're all there. So uh, that doesn't mean we can't associate with unbelievers. But what it's saying is is if if you're if you're hanging out with a group of unbelievers. And you are able to um, work on leading them to Christ by all means. 
by all means, hang in there and do that and keep, keep returning and keep doing that. And, and hopefully you can lead them to Christ. But if you're hanging out with, with a bunch of unbelievers and the opposite is happening and they're leading you away from Christ, uh, he says, run, don't walk, run from that situation because uh, what's, what's happening is, is, is a separation from him. Instead of, instead of separating your, yourself from the world, when, when, when you're getting led away, you're separating yourself from him. <clears throat> so the, God and the world are this far apart. And, and so if we separate ourselves from the world, that means we're, we're getting closer to him. Okay? If, we, if we tend to, to drift toward the, the, the worldly things and toward the, the unbelieving side of things, then we're separating ourselves from God. And, and that's not what he wants. Um, I've had to, you know, there's, I've had highs and lows in my life where, where uh, like the lows were always the times where I'd, I'd kind of allied myself with, with uh, the wrong side, okay? And, and there was that separation that I felt from him. And every time I think back on those low parts, it was because I had separated myself. He didn't separate himself from me. I, that was my doing. And, and there's a feeling of abandonment when that happens because we lose our connection. Um, when we were sorting those cows, there's, there's always, you, you guys that have cows know, there's always some bad apples in the bunch, right? There's always some of those high-headed cows that, that kind of, when you go in there, they, they're, they're going to start stirring the rest of them up. They're going to start uh, creating uh, distress amongst the other cows. They're going to work, work the other cattle up to where it's harder to work them. And so as we were working those cows yesterday, there's a few of them in there. <clears throat> These are all new cows that, that have been donated. And so we're, you know, as we work those kind of cows out, the rest of the bunch starts to settle and they start to hang together and they start to get peaceful. And that's what happens when we work the, the, the troubled people out of our lives and get that separation from them. Um, we start... Instead of, instead of that agitation in our lives, we, we start finding peace because we're working them out and, and separating them from us. And that's okay. And it's necessary. Uh, when I was, <clears throat> when I was uh, trying to quit drinking, I had to separate myself from a lot of people that, that were the high-headed kind that were leading me to the parties and leading me to the trouble and, and had to separate them out of my life. And... It was hard. It was really hard. None of this stuff is easy, but it's a simple concept, but it's not easy because, because they keep wanting to, to drag us with them. When those, in, in a herd, you'll see that, that one cow run off, and the others will follow every time. Um, and so by removing that cow, you remove the, the temptation to do that. And hopefully as we remove those cows, over the years, we've had cattle on the church ranch for the past five years, and We've diligently removed those kind of cattle um, every year because they cause trouble. <clears throat> so on the, on the inverse of that, can we be separated from God? What can separate us from him? Well, it says in the, in the word that sin does separate us from him. So everything, every time that we, we do something we're not supposed to do or don't do something we're supposed to do, we, 
we get separated from him. Um, I remember I was, I was probably, probably about Coy's age. I was, I'd been hunting for just a couple of years. I went to a new area, uh, a big ranch that we were deer hunting on, and my brother and my dad and another fellow were there. And, and so we were, we were uh, on horseback, and we all split up. And we took a different area, and, and my dad had pointed out a spot. He said, at a certain time, we're going to meet at that spot. Okay? It, you know, it was just three or four hours later. Well, I, I kind of got involved in tracking some deer, and I'd, I'd seen a herd of deer, and I was working up on them, and kind of lost my bearings, didn't know where I was. And at that, at that time, I thought I had gotten to that spot, but I was, but I was, I was in the wrong spot, and there was nobody there. And I remember... It was big country, and I had no idea where I was. I didn't know where, where anybody was, and I remember feeling that, that isolation and that that separation from my family. And man, I I was getting anxious because it was starting to get dark, and I didn't know where I was. I figured I was gonna have to spend the night out there with the with the critters, and and uh, um, that's what happens when when uh, when we start following the Lord and we start getting close to Him. Anytime we feel that separation, we start feeling that anxiety. I do, anyway. As, as I've developed in my maturity, in my, in my Christianity, I've, I've, I've gotten closer and closer to him. But So in those times where, where I feel separated by sin, I feel lost, and I feel abandoned, and I feel anxious, because I'm, I'm really starting to depend on him for the first time in my life. And without him, I just I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like I can fun- function. Um, and that's when, when Jesus died on the cross, that day on the, when he was crucified. On that, at that very moment when he took on all of our sins, that was the first and only time in his life that he was separated from God. And he cried out. And he cried out in anguish. And it wasn't physical anguish that he cried out from because he, he had tolerated that all day. What, what he couldn't handle was that moment of separation from the Lord. He could not handle that. That was the one thing in his life that that uh, that he couldn't do. And so, can we be separated from God? We can be temporarily through through sin, but uh, when we become believers, the hope in in this situation is in Romans nine. And this is Paul talking. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the hope of, of, of the message today is that as long as we believe, as long as we're truly trying to find a relationship with him, Nothing can ever separate us from his love, ever. And so, you know, when we're going through trials and tribulations like we're all, we're all doing, we can, we can rest on that and, and find hope and we can find joy in that uh, every single time. That, that if we believe and we have Christ in our heart, nothing can ever separate us from his love. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today and in for all your children who've gathered to hear your word and, and to fellowship with each other and to lift each other up and support each other in, in your name. 
God, I just ask that you give us the strength to separate ourselves from, from the worldly things that are leading us away from you and to make sure that we do everything we can to not be separated from you, Lord. I ask that you be with anybody who's sick or hurting today, that you would lift them up, that you put your healing hand on them. <clears throat> I pray that all your children will grow in faith today, not tomorrow, not the next day, but, but today, that they would have a deeper understanding of you, have a deeper love for you, Lord, and that they would draw ever closer to you as the days go by. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's up? How's everybody? Man, we're going to have to start live broadcasting the first service. Now, you show up here at the second service, like four people in that row right there. It's really hard. to. It, it is. It's different, isn't it? So used to, it was like three of you came to the early service. Now the Cowboys, they, most of y'all Cowboys are up early. So anyway, I don't mean to play favorites, but it's my, it's my people. So anyway, love y'all. Uh, anyway, welcome to Save the Cowboy. If this is your first time, uh, welcome. This is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. You'll hear me say it every single week, as well as a few other things, uh, such as it's not my job as a preacher to be a Christian for you, okay? Um, some people once said, well, shouldn't you be the example? No, I'm not the example for you to follow. Jesus is, not me, Okay. I'm doing the best I can, just just like like hopefully you are, but my job is not to be a Christian for you, okay? And my job is not to feed you, okay? I'm not going to take little baby food with the airplane spoon and open up. I'm not doing it, okay? Y'all grown people. You grown people, and if you ain't grown people, you you got mamas and daddies to do that for you, okay? So anyway, what we're here to do... uh, Today is to grow in Christ, to hold ourselves accountable, not, not hold each other accountable, which there is partly that, but hold ourselves accountable because one day it says that every knee shall bow before Jesus. Whether he comes back or your heart and your brain stop functioning, you're going to meet God. And I want you to be ready when that time comes. So anyway, with that being said, if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6. Uh, this week we uh, we went to help some neighbors. We've got neighbors as far away as Rama, and we went over there to a to a ranch to uh, help a friend of ours that just had rotator cuff surgery and and help her sort some cows and 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 do a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, anyway, me and Brett and Ty and Caleb got there and and. Uh, we got saddled up and we start heading down to the creek to, you know, gather about 800 acres or so. And I don't remember how many, 36 head or something like that. So it wasn't no big deal, but we're traveling out and they got, they got about, they had more snow than what I thought they would. And so anyway, Ty's kind of leading the way. Cause I had, I'd been to the ranch, but I'd never went and gathered it. I didn't know where the gates were. So I was kind of following along behind Ty and Brett was kind of off to the left a little bit. And we, cross this little road and it was no big deal just cross this little road and and ty's going along and he just keeps it going and i'm about oh i don't know about six feet to his left and behind him right and 
I'm following along, and he just, his little, or his big horse, but just goes right over, and he keeps trucking, and me and Fiona are about six feet off to the left, and we cross the road, and we disappear into a snowdrift. I mean, like, my knees went down, and she starts lunging, trying to get out of it, and I'm like, what in the world? And I look back, and you can see Ty's tracks. He went down this far. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know? And, and immediately, the thing I thought of, I mean, like, instantaneous whenever she got out of that was, man, that's what it's like following Jesus right there. We, we kind of go in the same direction, but we don't follow right behind him. We may be off to, off to one side or the other. And, man, he just goes straight down and nothing happens, and we're kind of off to the left. And we think we're following him, and we fall off in a big old snowdrift. It happens, I mean, it happens to us all the time. We, we think we're following him, and, and, and maybe we are, but there's things in our life that pull us to the left or pull us to the right instead of just getting right in behind him. I think that there's about four types of Jesus followers, okay? I, I'm not really necessarily talking about salvation today. I'm talking about people that say they believe in Jesus. I think that they can fall into about four categories. The first category that I think Jesus followers fall under is the easy Jesus followers. The easy Jesus. Um, I worked at a liquor store one time in Lubbock, and I've told this story before, but I, I got to tell it again. And uh, it was a drive through liquor store called The Strip. And... Uh, I, you know, I knew what Coors Light was in Strawberry Hill, okay? That was about the extent of my liquor knowledge, right? And there's lots of, lots of stuff in a liquor store, so you'd have to go out, and it was a big drive-through and like 15 lanes, and they'd just drive up, and you'd, they'd tell you what they want. And I went out there, and there's this old man in an old LTD, <laughs> giving away my age now. He was in an LTD. And I said, what can I do for you, sir? And he said, bring me a bottle of Easy Jesus and a pack of what I am. I was like, okay. So I went in there. I'm looking for Easy Jesus somewhere. I can't find him nowhere. So finally, I went up to the manager and I said, hey, buddy, I need some assistance. He said, what? And I said, this fella out here's asking for some Easy Jesus and a pack of what I am. And he just dies laughing. He says, it's like E&J vodka and a pack of cool cigarettes. So I took it out there to him. Easy Jesus and a pack of what I am. But, but, but the, the, there's, there's a group of people that are, that are easy Jesus followers also. Um, they follow Jesus in hopes that he's going to make their lives easier. When things go wrong, they blame God. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I've been going to church and stuff like that. And, you know, it just seems like I've been going, just everything's been going wrong. So, you know, God must hate me or something. I don't know what he does for you, but he ain't done nothing for me. You, you know what I mean? That, that's the easy Jesus followers. Um, they, they pray not for God's will to be done, but for their will to be done. And when it doesn't happen, then, then you know, that God's, God just don't love nobody, right? Well, I've been praying for, you know, I've been unemployed for nine months. 
been praying for God to give me a job. I'm like, well, they're hiring at the McDonald's. Well, I ain't working at McDonald's. I'm above that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's those type of people. They want to easy Jesus. They want a handout. They're only following God to see what they can get out of it. They'll try 500 different churches and leave as soon as they don't get what they want. You know? I mean, instead of, it's kind of like the ask not what you can do, uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You'd be amazed at the people that, that join or, or start attending a place like Save the Cowboy or Majestic View, or it doesn't matter where it is. If you get involved and you get behind it and, and everything, you're happy. But when some people, they just walk in and they sit back in the very back. I, I got a real horrible email one time. It said, I've been here. I've been going to save the cowboy for two weeks now, and you ain't never come and said hello to me. And I was like, well, I've been going to save the cowboy for about seven years now, and you've never come and said hello to me. I don't, I, I said, you know me. I have no idea who you are. And I said, did, did, you, did you go talk to anybody? Well, no, I usually get there late, and I sit in the back, and I usually leave. I'm the first one to leave. Well, <laughs> I can't help you, buddy. You know, the easy Jesus followers, and this is the way it is. You know, they come to church or they say they believe in God and they just keep living their same lives like they always did. You know, their lives are here and Jesus's lives are here. And there's, they, never, they never come together. In John chapter 6, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Now, you have to understand that what just happened is he just fed like 5,000 people, right? Then him and his disciples leave and they go to the other side of the lake and everybody follows him. Man, I, get, I guess Jesus can make some good fish and bread, okay? Because these people, they, they followed him across the lake and they come and they're like, hey, where's your miracle today? You know? Jesus gets on to him and he says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that, son of, that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. He's like, the only reason you're here today is because I fed you yesterday. You're not looking to follow me. You're looking at what I'll give you today. That's the easy Jesus followers. Then there's the Jesus draggers. The Jesus draggers. They drag Jesus into their lives and somehow Jesus approves of everything that they do. Their lives don't change whatsoever, but somehow they can justify everything they do. Jesus agrees with them. You know, their lives don't change at all, but somehow... Jesus comes in and they can twist stuff to say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus, Jesus still loves me. Yeah, Jesus still loves you. But that doesn't mean he approves of what you're doing. They continue to live in sin. But somehow Jesus is okay with that. Now, I'm going to say a few things. And I want you to understand before I ever say it, I fit every single one of these at some point in my life. Okay? The Jesus draggers, you know, they, they think it's okay to live as husband and wife without being husband and wife. I did that. 
But I wasn't following Jesus back then. And if I could go back and change it, I would. I regret that to my very day that I lived with my wife, my now wife, as husband and wife with not being married. And you know what, guys? It's on you. You make an honest woman out of her. If you love her, make an honest woman out of her. Or nothing more cowboy than that. But that's what we do, is we drag Jesus. We, we, we make all these excuses how somehow Jesus is okay with the life of sin that we're living. No, he, he, yes, he does still love you, but no, he's not okay with it. And no, he's not going to bless it. Getting drunk at bars and going home with strangers and with blinged out cross shirts on. It drives me nuts, man. I've been, I've been to the bar, man. Everybody's got a blinged out cross and just drunk out of their mind. God's not okay with that, okay? You can go dance there. There ain't no problem dancing. And I'm not even saying that there's anything wrong with having a drink or two, but just don't get slobber snockered, okay? Go home with strangers. Don't do that, man. <laughs> don't do it. Stay off the juice if you can't handle it. They love on Sunday, lie on Monday. Are you the same person sitting here right now? Are you the same person you are right now as you will be tomorrow in Denver traffic? That's why I don't go to Denver. I don't go to Denver for that reason. You know, listen. I was a Jesus dragger at one time. I was, in, I, I was even an easy Jesus follower at one time. But in regards to the Jesus draggers, Jesus died on the cross to free us from sin, not to sin. Okay? Sin does not send us to hell. Sin does not send us to hell. It breaks the connection with God. There's only one way to heaven, and if, if that's if you believe in Jesus Christ. There's only one way to hell if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, okay? But sin breaks the connection with God. Man, you, you're supposed to be best friends, be talking with Jesus. He's supposed to be your Lord and Savior. He's your daddy. You have to have that relationship, a palpable relationship in sin is like when you're talking on the cell phone. I was talking to my wife yesterday. She'd gone to somewhere that I don't go. Town. And we was trying to talk on the phone and I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me. That's what, that's what sin does. And finally she's like, hey, if you can hear me, I'll talk to you later. Bye. That's what sin does with our relationship with God. She didn't stop loving me because she couldn't hear me, okay? But, but sin makes it cut out, man, and it's detrimental. And I ain't judging nobody. I'm just telling you the truth. I wish somebody would have loved me enough back when I was an easy Jesus follower, when I was a Jesus dragger. I wish somebody would have loved me enough just to say, you know what, man, cut it out. That ain't right. That ain't the way you do it. In Luke chapter 16, 14 and 15, see the Jesus draggers, or you could say God draggers, of that day were the Pharisees. 
They justified themselves but judged everyone else. They justified their sin but judged everybody else's, right? And Jesus talks about that in Luke 16, verses 14 and 15. He says, the Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And man, we, we do. We, we start coveting that sinful lifestyle. But God hates that, man. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever delude yourself into thinking that, yes, God does still love you, but that he's okay with your sin. He ain't. He ain't. So we had the easy Jesus followers. We had the Jesus draggers. And now we get to the Jesus jukers. The Jesus jukers. You ever heard of a Jesus juker? They turn everything into an uber religious experience and a vain attempt to appear holy. You have probably run across a Jesus juker. Typical Jesus juker conversation will sound like this. Are you going to watch a Super Bowl tonight? I'm going to watch Jesus reside in my heart and cleanse me with his blood. That's what Jesus jukers sound like. They turn everything into some uber religious superior that they are so much more superior and they want everybody to know that. They turn regular conversations into an uber religious experience. Hey, I'm going to go to the store. Do you need anything? No, I'm storing up my treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. What? Does that mean you need mothballs or not? I don't understand. I was, I'm, I'm going to Safeway. I'm just asking, do you need something or not? I need Jesus. We already talked about that. Okay, we love Jesus too, but we're not talking. Shut up. You've all run across a Jesus juker. You have. It's been a wild couple of days. We branded over 800 calves in two days. Well, it's been a wild week. I, bought, I brought 14 people to the Lord in the self-checkout line at Walmart. No, you didn't. They would just say anything just to get away from you because you're dumb. Seriously, that don't work. They think it does, but it don't. Hey, man, guess what? What? I'm getting a new custom saddle made. Well, Jesus gave me a new custom heart. Shut up! <laughs> Cut it out. Okay? Th th those followers of Jesus, man, it it's, it's, it's not real. It it it's not. It's some, they're worshiping an emotionalism or, or something like that. That's not authentic Christianity. They, they, they want to appear bigger and better and, and all of this stuff. And it, it's not real. They can't even carry on a simple conversation because they, they, they want to tell people how much better that, that they love Jesus than you do. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23 deals with this. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the, only the one who does the will of my Father who was in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Didn't we lead 14 people to God in the self-checkout line at Walmart? Didn't we refuse to watch the Super Bowl and instead had a Bible study because we're more spiritual than everybody else? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, God doesn't want some fake emotionalism relationship with you. He wants something real. He doesn't want you walking around like the Pharisees did, praying loud prayers on the street corners and then telling everybody that you're fasting. And Jesus said, man... When you pray, go into your closet, and when you fast, you ought to look better than you did the day before. Don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Don't walk around so that people, oh, you're fasting, you're so holy. He says, no, man, don't be saying none of that. Unfortunately, I've been a Jesus juker before, man. I was one of those people at one time. Just didn't know any better. I thought that that's what God wanted. It was us to walk around and, you know, hand out tracts and, and, and be this uber spiritualist all the time. But Jesus, he drew people to him because he was real. Not because he was fake. And then there's the true follower of Jesus. Their lives are marked by four distinct characteristics. Number one, transformation. They are not the same people they used to be, and others notice. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you're going to be a true follower of Christ, not an easy Jesus, not a Jesus dragger, not a Jesus juker, but a true follower, your life will be characterized by transformation. You don't do the same things you used to do. You probably don't hang out with the same people you used to. You don't watch the same things you used to. You don't read the same things you used to. You may not even listen to some of the things you used to do. You don't treat your spouse like you used to. You don't treat your friends. You don't treat your coworkers. There has been a transformation in your life and transformation marks out the true followers. The second thing, the second characteristic of a true follower of Jesus is dedication. They have chosen discipline and obedience to God's word and his son, which is the same thing. Discipline and obedience. If God says to do it this way, they do it that way. Do they do it perfectly every stinking time? Absolutely not. But they know what he says and they try to do it every single day, and when they mess up, it bothers them, and they go at it again. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous in the land you were about to enter and occupy. Let me read that one more time. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Transformation. 
dedication. The third characteristic of a true follower of Christ is purpose. They trade what they want for what God wants. They trade what, God, what they want for what God wants. Exodus 9.15 says, But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all of the earth. Instead of living your life for you, you start living your life for God. And the fourth characteristic is action. They do something besides make excuses and blame others. Love is active in their lives to all things and to all people. It's action. You can see it. You can see it in their lives. It's marked by action. James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Transformation, dedication, purpose, and action. Those are the characteristics of a true follower of Christ. Not one that's just kind of going in the same general direction just to see what what might lie in store, but saying, God, I don't care where you go. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Are we just going in the same general direction as Jesus, hoping to maybe slip into heaven or maybe get a little bit of that uh, grace and mercy or maybe some of that favor that God talks about, you know, maybe some of it, we'll get a little bit of it. No, man. Give your lives to God. Get in right behind him and follow him all the way to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. So how do we do this? We had only gone about two or 300 more yards. And Ty on his big bay horse kind of goes off in this little, little indentation. And now his big horse goes in snow up to his chest and Ty has to lift his hands a little bit. And, but that big old horseman just plows on through and Ty turned around. And about the time he turned around, he said, I don't know if Fiona can make it through. And there me and Fiona go. And you know what? Went right through it. No problem. Cause Ty's big old horse had plowed the way. It was no big deal. Just like a snow plow had gone through there. Now, if I'd have been off to the left or I'd have been off to the right, we might have had some ropes on Fiona trying to drag her out of it. But it didn't. So how do we become true followers of Christ? I told you about the characteristics, but how do we get those characteristics? Real quick. Staying right behind Jesus and following him means that number one, you've got to ask God to save you. Number two, you've got to let God change you. Number three, you've got to study his word, man. You, I ain't here to feed you, man. You've got to read the good book on your own. If you ain't got a copy, let me know. If you've got a smartphone, <laughs> there's no excuse anymore for not reading the good book. You've got to study his word and do what it says. Number four, you've got to do everything for God, man. You can't be doing everything for yourself anymore. He said, man, if you'll give it to me, I'll give you everything else. And number five... You got to learn to love, man. You got to learn to love. 
Bible says that God is love. If you ain't loving, you don't know God. And I ain't talking about the ones that are easy. I'm talking about especially the ones that are hard. Ask God to save you. Let God change you. Study his word and do what it says. Do everything for God. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go to God in prayer. God, most people say they don't know what to do, but I think that that is nonsense. Everyone sitting here today and hearing this message knows what they should do and what they should not be doing. You've already spoken to them. I don't need to say more words. They just haven't done it. They're scared, God. Give them the courage and help them grow into authentic followers of yours and writers for your brand. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.